When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Big Ten Fall Football. It's back. You know it's back. It's the emergency pod that we've all been waiting for. Finally, the word has come down, and we need to talk about it on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. October 23rd and 24th will be the restart of Big Ten Football. It happened, finally, the announcement on Wednesday morning. Maybe people had thought, ah, maybe October 17th. I actually think the 24th, that weekend, is, is smarter. You don't want to rush this kind of thing. We have talked to Kevin Warren and the Big Ten leadership on a Zoom call. We have talked to Gene Smith and Christina Johnson on a Zoom call. We have information. We have more than 230 questions from tech subscribers. So if we're going to get to all of them, I got to talk fast because I'm not going to talk short. We're not going to go super crazy on this emergency pod because then we're going to record again Wednesday night and come back with our Thursday morning pod. But this is the Wednesday pod. It is the return of Big Ten football. We asked for those questions. Let's get right to them. Many of them are similar, and we can't get to everybody, but we appreciate everyone who chimed in. And we will start with from the 614. I'm sure everyone is asking, but what are the odds that Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade opt back in? Nathan, we just saw Sean Wade on ESPN. This came up. Not all, and I forgot to say, we got Ryan Day on the, on the call too. This came up with both Ryan Day and Gene Smith asked specifically about it on the Zoom call. So we want the facts. Let us know what the facts are, what people said. But let's also try to read the tea leaves a little bit on whether there's a shot of these two All-American candidates playing for Ohio State in October. So the first group you heard from were Gene Smith and Ryan Day, who both said that they – um, it, it's open for them to come back. They think they should be allowed to come back if they want to come back. In the middle of the Zoom call we were having, Gene Smith actually had to excuse himself to go take a phone call from Wyatt Davis. So there's clearly a dialogue that's been going on there, as you would expect, with both of those players. Um, and then later, like you said, Sean Wade and his father, Randy, both on ESPN, both talking about the, the, the door being open, but also – very reflective of how difficult of a decision that is. You know, Sean Wade, uh, Randy had told us earlier in the week that that decision would kind of be finalized today. Uh, today is Randy is Sean Wade's 22nd birthday. They were kind of expecting to, you know, birthday celebration and to formalize the relationship with their agent by signing with someone, which I don't think actually that alone also would necessarily fully jeopardize NCAA eligibility. I think you have a way to walk back from that. But it, it, regardless, the, the decision for whether to stay or go seemed like it was coming to a head today. Then Sean Wade said uh, he's just going to enjoy his birthday today, and then maybe tomorrow that decision would come. So it sounds like it's, they're not going to drag this out. It's going to be pretty quick. Um, I, I don't know which way I lean on Wyatt Davis. I think I probably lean on Sean Wade that it sounds like he would not be coming back. Um, but I, I do think that option is still there for both of them. Steven, I like it when I try to make you think like a player because you're younger than us, and I can't remember what it was like to be 22. Um, you can. So, Steven, try to get inside the heads of Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade and think about what do you think is going through their mind right now as they are trying to figure out what they're going to do. One, is it worth it? I mean, yes, they're going to have a chance to win a national championship game, but there's no margin for – there's no room for error with when the Big Ten is starting their schedule on October 23rd. You have to play eight straight games, no bye week, and then a ninth game, uh, it would be a Big Ten championship game, and then hopefully you get into the playoffs. So that's a lot of football in a row without any bye weeks. I don't I understand that I'm young in this situation. I'm 21, 22, but still, that's a lot of football in a short turnaround of time where you haven't necessarily they haven't even been hitting yet and they're supposed to play a football 
game in six weeks from now. So it's that first. Um, I think with Sean, it's the idea of what Randy Wade said to begin with. If it's not in the fall, then Sean's not playing, which, I mean, it's in the fall now. So the option to play in the fall is is still out there now. And do you want to live by that or do you just want to move on? While with Wyatt, Wyatt hasn't been so much out there this entire time. I think him being the first guy who opted out was a little surprising. Are we surprised he opted out? No, but being the first guy to do it, yes. Um, Which means there was probably some things that he was thinking about over the last couple of weeks and seeing how this was handled and how nobody was communicating anything to the coaches and the coaches didn't know much. Um, I might lean with Wyatt more, yes, just because – it kind of seemed like one day he just got fed up. Was like, you know, what, I'm gone. Well, well, now he has a little bit more information. While with Sean Wade, I think he might lean more. I'm just going to leave at this point. So I do think the thing that we have to keep in mind, and and my understanding of this is, I don't think the Wades have decided. I don't think mm-hmm. they know right now. Right. Two forty on Wednesday afternoon. So if you if you think you're getting a report, and and listen, I, I you know we can tell you what we kind of think. But that's where I think they are. And I don't, and I don't know. I would imagine maybe, maybe Wyatt Davis doesn't know right now. I think you have to, the thing you have to keep in mind, sometimes you're just in the mood for chicken fingers. And you can't explain it. You just want it. That's what you feel. And then you just have to go eat chicken fingers. So I, I don't mean to be, like, to be dismissive of this. I think some of it's going to be like if they're in the mood to play. And the thing that you can't do with a lot of this stuff is if your head's not in it and your heart's not in it and you're not really feeling it, man, then that's almost like the worst case scenario to, to come back to play when you're really not into it, man, that's how you get, but that's how you get injured. That's how you just sort of open yourself up for, so they just have to go. And sometimes you can't, it's not even about the facts of the situation. Now, of course the facts matter and, and there, but there's facts on both sides. There's no wrong decision for Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade. So I'm not trying to be preachy. You guys want information. I would tell you the information is, that, as, as we understand it, at least on Sean's side, they're conflicted. And so they don't know. I don't think they know what they're going to do. But if you're not – I think it's hard to play if you're not sure that you want to play. So good luck to both those guys deciding. I think they are not – connected i would not at all be surprised if this if the resolution is one in one out i don't know which way that might go right but i just i don't think you can put too much on sort of the parameters because it's just such a personal choice so we will keep you updated the minute we find out anything about either of those two guys we will be shooting it out on the text at 614-350-3315 to all of our tech subscribers who have hung in with us through all of this through this crazy last month where sometimes we've provided you guys some good information and sometimes we've just kind of been at a loss to try to explain what's going on and, and what's not going on. So for, if you've hung with us through that, thank you so much. If you've never joined the tech subscription before, great time to do it right now because football's coming and we're going to have a lot of football to write and talk and text about. So try it now, 614-350-3315. And then you get to ask us questions like this as we hop around some tech subscriber questions about this. From the 614, when the schedule comes out, would you personally rather see the Team Up North game, that's the Michigan game, take place on its usual weekend after Thanksgiving or instead be the last week of the season? So that's the interesting part of this. There is sort of a Thanksgiving tradition that has evolved around that game. It used to be way before Thanksgiving because the Big Ten used to finish earlier. Now it's Thanksgiving week. So that's the tradition. But the bigger tradition is that it's the last game of the regular season. The last weekend of the regular season right now is December 12th. They're playing eight in eight weeks. So this is just an opinion. And then we'll talk about the schedule a little bit. Stephen, if the Big Ten came to you and said, Stephen, it's your choice. When should Ohio State and Michigan play? What date, what time period would you pick? December 12th. I understand the Thanksgiving thing, but the bigger tradition is Ohio State and Michigan is the last game of the year, regardless of when it actually falls on the calendar. It's just the last game they play during the regular season. I think that's a much more important you know, tradition to hold on to than just putting it at Thanksgiving weekend. Just As you said, it wasn't always there because the Big Ten used to start earlier than everybody else. 
Nathan, where are you? Between those two days, I guess I would pick December 12th. Um, I would still maybe argue for playing at week one, though. So I think I'd pick at the end also, but let's let this have a slide into – I am not – when they were just like, hey, it's the new schedule, and it still felt like, hey, we're going to play. We're just not going to do this. That's when I was like, what are you doing? Play at the last week. What are you doing? We're so far down – like, right, talking about like you're just like you're – you being in the mood for things and your mind changing on things. I don't, I mean, I, what am I going to do? Am I going to, am I going to, am I going to go protest if they play the, the Ohio state Michigan game on like the date that I wouldn't pick. I mean, is anybody there now? People are running around in their underwear in the street screaming big 10 football is back. Nobody is going to lose their mind over the placement of this game at this point. I like it last, but Nathan, the window, man, the window, there's no window. They're, they're, in a, they're in a room with, with no windows and no doors. And that room is eight games in eight weeks. So the one thing that I think would, would maybe lead you toward putting Ohio State Michigan the last week is if a game is postponed, I think that's it. You, you can't make it up, whether it's postponed week one, week three, week six, or week eight. So before it was kind of like, well, if Ohio State's Michigan is the most important game, move it up. And that way, if it's postponed, you could play it in one of these windows where they had that built in. That doesn't exist anymore. So now you're kind of just rolling the dice on what might be the week that a team has enough of an outbreak that they can't play. And I don't know that there's any, it's any more likely early or late in the year, right? I feel like they'll get smarter as they go, but there also is going to be some randomness to that. But man, eight and eight, and we'll get into that more. But that idea, Nathan, right? I mean, there's just no wiggle room here. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that, and that's why I think that there's really only two options. If you want to try to get the best Ohio State, Michigan rosters on the field together, if that's a thing that's important to the Big Ten or important to those schools, I think it's definitely important to those schools. But whether it's important to the Big Ten at large, I don't know. But I think you either play it last week, as you do now, which gives a time for uh, you know testing to happen as it would during a season, injuries to happen as they would during a season. You get to bring back those full teams uh, as close to full as you can for that last week. Or you play it week one, where I think, I, think, I think there is a difference between week one and some of the subsequent weeks. Maybe not a huge difference, but some difference as to what kind of a, a, a testing situation you might be in or, or a quarantine situation you might be in. I, I think maybe we've had this discussion before. Subsequent, right? It's subsequent, not what subsequent. Subsequent, right? Isn't it I, think I, said, I think I said something that was kind of in the middle of both of those. So here's my question for you. <laughs> We always are talking about pronunciation on Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk, your pronunciation was wrong. Is it a question for question. me or Chancellor Baird? Yeah, this is a question. I think this – I would disagree with the idea that week one is your best chance to play. Because if you look at these other conferences that are trying to play, they have, they have postponements in week one. I actually think the best chance to play might be in the middle – but I think it's more possible that it's like, hey, like we're kind of new to this. Hey, okay, well, we practiced, but how did this happen or what? And that we are seeing there is no guarantee about getting on the field. You know, Virginia Tech and Virginia and, and Baylor and North Carolina State, a lot of these Power Five teams. So the idea of what is your best chance for Ohio State, Michigan to be played, I think I would push back against the idea that week one because it's early is the best chance. I'm just not sure there's any best chance. I think it might all be random. Yeah, that man, may be true. But... Go ahead, David. I just, I just want to make a quick point that those, those postponements are happening right now in conferences that aren't using the daily rapid antigen testing. That is, they're all happening because that testing doesn't exist. And because of the contact tracing that is, is, tearing through the roster enough that it's causing those postponements. So that is the biggest change. Now, do I still have some reservations about how uh, clean the field will be this or some, some suspicions that it may not get to the level that the big 10 is, is saying that it will uh, certainly I have those, but I think because of the daily rapid daily rapid testing, they, it will potentially be cleaner. A big, a big 10 start may be cleaner than what we're seeing in these other conferences right now. And that's why as weird as it may sound, yes, it's going to be week one for the big 10, but it's not week one for college football. And, Every week that somebody plays a football game, you learn something new, and something new was added to the equation that wasn't there the week before. So I would put it last, though. I would just put yeah. it last and – Give it the most wiggle room. Assume that you're going to – I mean, but there's no, there's no wiggle room wherever you put it. There's no wiggle room. So, again, we're at the idea of, well, 
at least if you wind up canceling the season, the earlier you play it, at least you would get it in, right? That's kind of where we were with some of the stuff early on. And I think that was part of your point, Nathan. Back when we thought there was going to be a Big Ten schedule and you were a proponent of week one back then, we were talking about the idea of what if they only play three games? And like, I don't think that's the conversation now because I think like when the Big Ten was at a point of, well, what if we only play three games? They said, we're not playing. So yes, there will be bumps. But now, I mean, I think the only reason the Big Ten is back is because it believes, yes, absolutely, we're getting through this season. And not because we're plowing through but because with the testing, the, the daily testing, the rapid results, we have a, that's our, that's our, the shovel on the front of the Big Ten equipment truck that is pushing the snow to the side so that that makes the pathway for us. We're not just going to drive into a snowbank and floor it and hope that we make it, but we also just aren't assuming like, ah, oh, well, we may drive off the road. So I just think that allows you to put Ohio State, Michigan last and keep kind of a quote normal schedule. But I will say in the end, we said what we thought should happen. Let's make a prediction because Barry Alvarez, who's in charge of this, said they'll have a schedule by the end of the week. My prediction is Ohio State, Michigan is not last. I think it will wind up in a very similar spot on the schedule as it was on the first revised schedule, which is like near the end, but not at the end. And I'm not sure. So it could be Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm not sure what the rationale will be, but yeah, maybe that's the reason. Hey, we'll, we'll keep some tradition with the Thanksgiving thing, but we're not putting it at the end. That's just my guess on the vibe of trying to read how they've done things so far. Nathan, do you, where, what's your vibe on where you would guess it will be? I'm going to guess that they put it last because I think maybe one of the reasons that they put it where they did before was because it was such an important game and they had the flexibility to move it back if they needed to. And now without those gaps, without that flexibility, you might as well just put it last and hope for the best. Steven, your guess. Yeah, I, I agree with that. In a season where you don't have any wiggle room, you want to put off as long as possible when you have to cancel at least that game if something goes wrong. Questions about how this schedule now has been worked out. Again, there was some idea people, you know, could it maybe start on October 17th? They announced today that it's no, it's not going to be till October 24th. That gives you eight weekends before. No, it gives you nine weekends, but the last weekend is, and by the way, we want to get into that, that it's not just the Big Ten championship game. It's Big Ten showdown weekend, which by the way is awesome. Awesome. And we can get into how we think Nathan's making a crazy face. I really like it. It ramps up competition. It ramps up like us versus them. Um, so I really like it. But you have nine weekends. You have no wiggle room from the 419. Any reason why October 24th and not the 17th? And also from the 678, did the Big Ten think that a buy was not necessary with the fact that Rutgers is playing? I think that's a shot at Rutgers. But, I, so, but it is a question about a buy. And both these textures also have other questions. I, I just think the Big Ten, because it's Wednesday and they didn't decide until Wednesday, didn't want to push it. And I think the 17th might have felt like pushing it. And I think that's the only reason. I think if you could have put a buy in, that's better. But I think you'd rather sacrifice the buy and not feel like we're trying to get on the practice field, you know, 10 minutes after the announcement is made. And that's why we're on the 24th and not the 17th. Steven, what's your take on why they, you think they wound up on the 24th? Yeah, uh, middle of the week thing. But, but, but also, I think it just simp- it's just simply you're not going to have a buy at the situation. You want to do everything you can to make sure that the, a representative in the Big Ten can have a shot at the college football playoff. And so if you know you're not going to have a bye, there's no reason in adding an extra week to the season just to try to rush things, just to have a bye somewhere else. No, just go straight, eight straight weeks. You can make it fun with the showdown thing, which I think is a great idea in general, even if it wasn't a COVID year. But I think at this point you're doing everything you can to put somebody in the Big Ten in position to be in the college football playoff. And if that means you don't have a bye week, that's what you have to do. But it's not about they were never going to play nine anyway. It was they were always going to play eight. I mean, like the buy, it's not that they're losing the game; it's that they're losing flexibility because they're not starting early. Nathan, would you have started the seventeenth, or do you think the twenty fourth makes more sense? I think the twenty fourth makes more sense. I, there was a tweet out there. People need to realize that like we were in like constant Zoom calls and then writing things and then other things, and it's been it's piling up. So this kind of things have been flying in front of my face. But somebody had a tweet out there that somebody was asked about this. 
one of the ADs somewhere else was asked about this and that the, I think it might've been Barry Alvarez. Barry Alvarez said that their scheduling committee went to the uh, council of, of presidents and chancellors first with a plan for starting on the 17th, but the COPC pushed back and said they thought that was too quick. They wanted the extra week to get things more in order. And I think that has to do with both getting the testing in order, the daily testing in order and like giving that more time to, um, provide a clean roster to put on the field for every team, but also probably for a, a time period for the situation to improve on some of the campuses within the Big Ten, because that is an issue. I'm actually checking with the Big Ten right now to clarify what they mean, because we put out the, the, the guidelines for the testing. There's a difference between your team testing percentage, the positives, and the population testing. And I have a question, <clears throat> excuse me, that's not, that's not about COVID. My throat's just dry. I have a question into the Big Ten to, um, to clarify what the population testing means. Is that student body population? Is that county population? Is that city population? What does that mean? I don't think that's – I'm not sure that's been clarified. <clears throat> I think Ralph Russo from the AP tweeted about that. I think my understanding is the population means like the whole team, including staff but it okay. doesn't mean. So it's not the campus wide situation. Okay. Yeah. That's important. I think, but it, I think that is a factor here though, that I think, I think presidents who, as we talked about on yesterday's pod have a billion other things to worry about right now that aren't necessarily just football. They need to put those fires out for lack of a better term. In addition to getting football started, I think that extra week they feel helps them do that. So in a normal situation, you can practice 29 days out from your opener. But the first five days of that practice are what they call the acclimatization, acclimatization period. And talking to people at Ohio State, what they have been doing, the fact that they've had these 12 hours per week where they have been doing some walkthroughs, they have been having guys on the field, they do think that, that they don't necessarily need to act to plan to have those five days, right? So if in a normal period – you have 29 days to get ready for the season. Well, it sort of feels like they've already kind of have five. The first five are kind of already in the bank. So then you need 24 days to have a normal preparation for a season, okay? Right now, we're 34 days away. If you had, we're 34 days away from October 24th, right? No, 30, I just counted. I swear to God, I counted this. We are 38 days away. I literally counted nine times. My fingers were going crazy. My fingers are cramping up. I was counting so much and I still got it wrong. We're 38 days away when they feel like they actually probably need only 24, okay? But if you were playing the 17th, we'd be 31 days away. And they said that I think they're going to get on the field soon to practice, but just don't rush it. And I think, Nathan, you're right. There probably is some where some campuses are that are factoring into this. But I just don't think the, the last thing you can do – is rush these guys at all, both in the reality or the perception of rushing. Like you've dawdled, you've dawdled, you're dawdled. Now hurry up and practice so you can play. I just think the 24th is much smarter for a variety of reasons. And real quick on that, the other thing to remember here too is one of the protocols that Big Ten put in place today was anyone who tests positive for COVID is out for 21 days. It's not 14, which has been kind of the, the standard around the country. It's 21, which includes that extra week. So I think that's a factor here too, that any player who has COVID today would not be able to practice for three weeks. And if you start too soon, then you're putting some teams in a, a tough spot. Continuing from the question from the 678, can we now consider Kevin Warren as the JT Barrett of conference commissioners with the way in which he is cleaning up his own mistakes? It seems like he will be mediocre at best as a commissioner, but will make the necessary plays to win the game at the end. I think it's a very interesting standpoint from that. And we are coming from a everybody that we saw on Twitter and on our tech subscription and that we interacted with wanted to fire Kevin Warren. Like that's where angry Ohio state and big 10 fans were, but now you're here. And I did write that. I think in the end that like for this season, I don't think this is disastrous for the big 10 as it worked out. They're going to play eight. The SEC's planning to play 10. They were never going to play non-conference games anyway. So in the end, they're, they're, they've lost two conference games from where they were. 
I don't think it's going to be the difference between the Big Ten champ making the playoff and not. And that's all we're going to talk about all year is how is the committee going to compare this? And Gene Smith said he thinks the look test will matter more this year. But let's remember that the, the Ohio State won the Big Ten in 2017 and 2018 and didn't make the playoff then. So, like, the Big Ten champ gets screwed when there's no COVID. So they might get screwed again, but I don't think they'll get screwed because of the COVID. I don't think it will come down to the fact that Ohio State is left out and you're left thinking, oh, if only they had played Illinois and Purdue, they would have made it, right? Like, I just don't think that's the world that we're going to wind up living in. So the result is it was a month of crap, but the outcome is not awful. And depending how the other conferences do, like, I don't, no one's going to forget this because they bungled it. But Nathan, like, is it possible that this comparison that, you know, we've had a lot of sort of like JT Barrett shade on this podcast and from texters over time, like he's good, but he's not this. He's good, but he's not that. Can Kevin Warren, and and frankly, like the last thing I care about is like Kevin Warren's personal reputation. I could not believe that on the, the call, the Zoom call, Kevin Warren got asked about how he dealt with it and how he felt through this and what it was like for him to battle through this before he was asked about what about the players and the coaches and the, and the parents that you have let down during this? I don't care about you, person in charge, who's getting a lot of money. I don't care about your feelings. Buckeye talk. But do you think he can or started already has started to rehabilitate his reputation by the Big Ten getting back on the field, Nathan? I mean, you and I can do a, a 12-hour podcast for subscribers only later about just the nonsense that we heard on zoom calls today not just the big 10 one by the way the Ohio State one was pretty bad too um um excuse me not Um, necessarily from the people I thought I thought well I know I know what you're saying I thought Christina Johnson was pretty good with us I think I think we can talk about Christina Johnson in terms of people like getting thrown in and like they're barely here and they're having to deal with stuff Maybe it's just Ohio State propping up their own people, but it feels like Christina Johnson got in and quickly acclimated to what was up at this university where football fit into the picture, the expectation of how people want her to represent the university. It feels like she got a handle on that real quick. But anyway, go ahead. I actually don't know. So as far as Kevin Warren rehabilitating his, his situation here, I don't know how much the unfolding of this fall, now obviously if, if it unfolds successfully and a team gets in the playoff and, and whatever, I think he'll, that will reflect, I think, favorably on him, that the decision was eventually made and they set up a system that got that through. If it falls apart again, I don't think that necessarily reflects poorly on him because that's what they were worried about from the beginning and they can come back and say, hey, we knew it was going to be tough, but at least we tried, whatever. I think the the rehabilitation of his image has to continue in the offseason. It's going to continue not only just better communication going forward this year, but the next time something comes up, does the Big Ten is the Big Ten better aligned to handle it? And he has to be out in front leading that. It can't be what it was last time. It can't, like we talked about the other day on the pod, you can't have a significant decision in the future where you come out of it with an 11-3 to 3 vote. You, have, you can't come out with an 11-3 vote to cancel football. That was the, the big disaster, really, that they were not more unified in what they were doing at that point. Today, they're saying it's 14-0. Obviously, we, don't, we weren't privy to the actual vote that took place, assuming one took place. But they're calling it unanimous. That's a step forward. They've got to have that approach in the future it doesn't mean that it has to be a fake 14-0 it means that when it's not 14-0 they have to come up with a better plan than what they did this last time all right well i want to take a quick break and then come back with whether i am a grandstanding jackhole or not and many other questions next on buckeye talk so we're back on buckeye talk and i just want to quickly for a quick 15 minutes just get into the question that i asked kevin warren um I was glad, I was worried for a while that the Big Ten, as they were controlling this, they came on, they had Kevin Warren and Sandy Barber from Penn State, the AD, and Barry Alvarez from Wisconsin, the AD, and Jim Borchers, 
um, the doctor from Ohio State who sort of led the, the medical subcommittee. They had a lot of Morton Shapiro, the president of Northwestern. They had a bunch of important people on this thing, and they had Dave Revson. And some of you probably watched it. They have Dave Revson from the Big Ten Network asking questions initially, but it was weird because it was a hybrid. I actually think it worked pretty well, that it was like a hybrid Big Ten Network TV show led by a host that also turned into a press conference that allowed people unaffiliated with the Big Ten, independent, unbiased journalists to ask questions. And I was a little worried it was gonna be all national people because early on it was all national people. And I tweeted, hey, at Big Ten, call on me. And then I got called on. I don't think I got called on because I did that, but I think I got called on because I raised my hand um, pretty quickly in the Zoom and because I'm old and I have a weird name. So I thought, that Kevin Warren needed to be asked about his poor communication. And I just want to remind, it's hard in situations like this. There's so much news going forward and that's what matters. But this happened with the Urban Meyer suspension as well. It's like, while it's happening, it's like, well, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And then once it's announced, everybody springs into what's next. And it's very hard sometimes to go back and have people say, hey, by the way, can we talk about the cluster of the last X number of days when there was no information anywhere. And now that you're talking, you're like, wow, that's not living the past. It's like, well, when are we gonna, when could we have talked about that? So we have to talk about that. And I did, he did say in a very convoluted answer to my question, I said, Kevin, what did I say? I said something about why was your communication with players, parents, and coaches so poor in the last month? And he gave a convoluted answer, but he did say, we've learned from the last 40 days. Um, Steven, do you think they've learned? Like, do you believe that? Nathan, you're making the point that like, they better have learned, right? How to handle this, how to present it. Steven, do you think they actually have learned? And specifically Kevin Warren, who's been on the job less than a year. I think so, yeah. Because I mean, this is a pretty big first mistake as far as the way he handled this, I mean, what we've dealt with the last month, it seems, I mean, that's a pretty big mistake to, to learn from the right off the bat. So yeah, I do think they've learned and they'll handle some things better because to Nathan's point, they better have done so. Cause if not, then I don't, I mean, his job's probably not safe if something of this magnitude happens again, and this is how it's handled. And I do just want to say in the end that I do fear sometimes that I am a grandstanding jackhole. And I think the thing is that I am, I just don't want to let on that I am. And sometimes I think it sneaks out that I am, but I try to be an equal opportunity grandstanding jackhole. So if I'm going to do it to Kevin Warren, I'll do it to Jim Harbaugh. I'll do it to Urban Meyer. I'll do it to anybody. And, and, and somebody um, somebody associated with the Ohio State program, not inside, um, sent me a Twitter DM and said, um, I think you like making people uncomfortable. And this is someone who doesn't really know me personally, but who I've been talking to a little bit. And, and I thought, oh, that, that, that person has a nice window into uh, how I operate because I almost uh, relish the opportunity to be a jackhole. So anyway, if you think I'm a grandstanding jackhole, you're probably right. I want to get into the AP poll because this is important. And then I do want to get into some of the, the committee stuff. From the 419, is Ohio State eligible to be in the AP poll again? Nathan, you're one of the 60 plus voters. What's up? When will you once again be voting for the Buckeyes? They're not playing until October 24th. Will you be voting for them before then? My understanding is that they should be eligible for this week's poll because the way that it was laid out to us by Ralph Russo and the, and the AP was that teams who had decided not to play this fall were ineligible, but teams who were going to be playing this fall, even if they hadn't started playing were eligible. That's why you saw SEC teams ranked this past week. So now the, to me, Ohio state and the rest of the big 10 now falls into the same category as the SEC. They are scheduled to play this fall. And as long as they are still scheduled to play this fall, they should be eligible, even if they haven't started playing this fall. So I believe, based on those, we, we haven't heard that for 100% sure. And actually, somebody asked um, in the AP email thread, asked that question. I have not seen a response to it yet. But I believe that will be the case. Now, whether that means Ohio State immediately jumps back up to number two, I think that depends on a few things, including what uh, Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis decide. So how will you personally handle it, Nathan? With any Big Ten team, if you, are, if you have Big Ten teams that have not yet played, and there are other teams that have played four or five games, 
would you be willing to rank a zero and zero team like in the top five if you thought that based on their talent? Or would you be reluctant to do that and you would just lean towards everybody who's three and oh, four and oh, four and one, whatever, and that those zero and zero teams are eligible but might fall into the teens or whatever, the 20s, even Ohio State up until they actually start to play? It's tough. And I think I'm not going to put Oklahoma ahead of Ohio State right now simply because Oklahoma obliterated Missouri State or whatever. It's got to be more nuanced than that. You've got to still take the, the, the full assessment of a team. And this is a, a weird year. You're not going to do this every year. And fortunately, we don't have to. But I think for this year, you have to take what you think you know about teams that haven't played yet, but, but with reasonable certainty, the same reasonable certainty you used to, to rank everyone before the season and balance that against what you're seeing from the teams who are playing. Eventually, they'll catch up, right? Eventually, we'll get into late October, a month from now, and those things will start to sync up a little bit, the opinions that we have of these teams, assuming everyone is still playing. But until then, I, I think you just have to give it your best shot. And I think it's going to be a weird poll probably for a little while because there's going to be people – people already used, uh, approach the poll differently. We still had LSU getting a number one vote last week, even after everyone knew that they weren't the best team in the country anymore, and even after Jamar Chase has opted out. But because they're still the undefeated national champion, somebody's still voting them number one. Um, and then you've got people who are voting them much lower than that because they're trying to make an actual assessment of where that team is right now. So very different approaches to this. It's going to be a strange poll. I think we'll eventually start to draw back in together at the end of the year. But for now, I think it's I go into Saturday and Sunday looking at all the teams that have played, but now also just trying to have use my best opinion of where all these Big Ten teams are at right now and, and place them somewhere in the top 25 altogether. My, yeah, but by the time it, things get hold, back. Hold on, Stephen. Hold on, Stephen. I want us to keep moving, and I want to get a specific question to you that's related to this. Okay. I just want to remind people, because we're, we're just going to try to keep this short and then get to a, the Thursday morning pod, which we'll get into a lot more questions. Um, I just want to remind people the AP poll is stupid. The voters are idiots. And if you have played too mu- paid too much attention to it in the past, this is a good time to let it go because it doesn't matter. What does matter is the playoff committee. And that playoff committee is going to have to just – be smart, but a specific second question from someone in the 419 who originally asked about why they're playing on the 24th and not the 17th. I want to ask you this, Stephen. What happens if the Buckeyes only play six games? How does the college football playoff committee react, right? So I think eight compared to 10 or 11 is not that big of a gap. But as soon as you don't have wiggle room, you have something go wrong, right? I mean, Rutgers is kind of floating the idea right now of, hey, well, what if we have to not play because, and it's not even about whether just your side has good COVID control. Your opponent has to have it. If your opponent has a bad week of testing and you can't play them, there's no room to make it up. So Steven, if all of a sudden Ohio State, you're supposed to play eight. Well, now you're only playing seven. Well, now you're only playing six. Is there a number where you think their playoff chances would really be threatened, not by how good they are or aren't, but just because they haven't had enough chances to prove it. I think anything lower than six, you're probably in, in bad territory because then you're in a situation where you have to be convincingly good in every single game. I'm talking 50-point blowouts for five straight games, and maybe even more than that if one of the opponents you're playing is Rutgers or Maryland. You, in the, or honestly, it's already in a situation where they probably have to be convincing in every single game. But as you start to drop games, you're taking a chance of maybe dropping the Penn State game, which is still important, the Michigan game or the Michigan State game or the Minnesota game, if that ends up on your schedule. The, the, the teams where everybody knows they're at least you know, competent and a pretty good, te- solid team, you have to be convincingly good the more of those games you drop off of. So I think anything less than six, their playoff chances are probably in trouble. You know, it's funny. I, it almost makes you wonder. It's like, say they schedule the Ohio State-Penn State game for week four, right? And say something happens and Ohio State and Penn State can't play. And like in week six, Ohio State's supposed to play Rutgers and Penn State's supposed to play Maryland. What if Ohio State and Penn State were both like, can we bail yeah. on these lamos and play each other instead? Like, screw Rutgers and Maryland. Let's play the games that matter. And the answer is probably no. But if I were Ohio State and Penn State in that situation, I think I'd probably ask. I'm not against so the, the fluid think, schedule at I all. The, I think the broadcast partners would probably ask too. Yeah. <laughs> Which game think, do you think they would rather have? Yeah. The, the, the fluid schedule is is great because then if you get to a point where you've got two teams who are five and zero, oh, it's like, eh, can we replace the zero and five teams and just make them play each other? 
And so the five and oak teams can play each other now for the sake of a playoff. They should just but, have like an elimination tournament. And as soon as you lose like four games, you're out. And then you just add a game against the team that matters. Um, there was an interesting, Nathan, what you brought up about what the TV partners said. TV partners came up both on the Ohio State and the Big Ten Zoom call. Like it's a reminder, not that we necessarily need it, that money matters. And in college football, money equals TV. So like they, uh, there was a lot of like, well, you know, in discussion with our TV partners, blibbity blobbity. It's like, yeah. So that, that kind of stuff, let's not forget that that matters. Stock, speaking of blowouts, as Steven did from the 513, I texted people like, get ready for blowouts. Because if you've got to keep your foot on the pedal, because you don't know how many chances you're going to have to impress the committee. From the 513, after talking about getting prepared for blowouts to make up for four less regular season games than usual and two less than some leagues, I got to thinking, is it possible Justin Fields has a better season in 2020 than 2019, even with the abbreviated season? In 2019, Ohio State had 10 or 11 blowout wins, and Justin was pulled from the game before or during the third quarter in many of those games. I would expect to see starters go deeper into games this year, so maybe it's a possibility. Would be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this at some point from the 513. Nathan, what do you think? Even I, I, I guess I don't just only mean statistically, right? Because like hmm. eight versus 12, that's still only two-thirds as many games. But, but kind of statistically or, or maybe more like impressiveness, opportunities to impress perhaps. Could there actually be more in 2020 than in 2019? I don't know if he can – I don't know if you can do more in eight games, even eight full games than you did in 12. I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's going to depend on it. The, the, the opportunities sometimes come up in the games themselves. Like how good is the game? How important is that player to having Ohio state win that game? And I think it's going to depend on which games end up actually getting played. So, I mean, if, if Penn state summons a, a really good team and, and gives Ohio state a good game, that gives Justin Fields that chance. If Michigan does the same, it gives Justin Fields that chance. I would remind people though, that we know that, a big chunk of this schedule is going to be some pretty terrible teams, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan state. And if you really are playing for the playoffs, I don't know how much you change your, your protection of Justin Fields. You're not going to have him in the fourth quarter of a 52 to nothing game against Rutgers. I don't think just to, just so he can run it up. And so you can run it up. I don't think that's necessary. I don't think it's prudent. So it's not going to be like he suddenly plays uh, 60 full minutes a week, regardless. I want to, I want Steven to answer this, but Nathan, I just want to pin you down on this very quickly. Ohio state will be more interested in blowing people out and looking as good as possible because they're playing fewer games. They'll be more interested in doing that for the playoff committee or no, they'll basically approach it as they normally do. I think they might pile on a team that they know the committee respects because I think that would have some potential influence if they really tore into Penn State or Michigan or Wisconsin or or Minnesota or somebody like that. But running it up from the difference between a 52 nothing and 73 nothing game against Rutgers is nothing to the committee because I think they don't care beyond when the game is decided. Steven, more blowouts, yes or no? Uh, yeah, more blowouts. Uh, to, to the answer to the question of can he match, can he match what he did last season? He needed to throw for 364 yards per game and have four or five touchdown passes per game to match what he did last season in a nine game se- in a nine game season. But yeah, I think remember the Maryland game when after their first possession they kicked the one side kick in the first half. I think we're going to see more of that. I think more in the, aggressive. In the first half. In, yeah, yeah, I, first I half, think yeah. Uh, that's what I think. No, you're, you're right, Nathan. In the second half, if it's already 55 to nothing, then it doesn't really matter. The committee probably turned the game off at that point. But I do think we're going to see extremely aggressive first halves, even against teams where we know they're going to be them by 55 points anyway. And against Maryland and Rutgers, they might be up 65, 60 to nothing at halftime. While against Penn State and the Michigans of the world, the goal is to be up 45 to nothing at halftime. Yeah, Ryan Day kind of – Ryan Day kind of has a lead foot by natural inclination anyway. So he threw um, the ball with his punter. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, it won't take much, but I do think they will. I think Ryan Day will have it in his head, whatever percent more, 20% more that we've got to look awesome. We've got to look awesome at every moment 
and that every game is not a game against the opponent. It is a game against everybody else who's trying to get in this playoff. And we are starting out. And again, I said it's, I don't think it's a huge difference, but there's some difference. A normal season, you all play the same number of games. So they're not, they're playing two or three fewer than the people they're competing against. That's the plan. So it's like you come in and you're behind 14, nothing at the end of the first quarter. You're not starting on equal footing. So then when it's your time to get in the field, you got to go. And so I do think we'll see even more of a lead foot from Ryan Day. To that point, this, Clemson beat a Wake Forest last week, 37-13. to 13. That's probably not good enough for Ohio State. Might not be good enough for Clemson. Yeah. You know, I mean, like this is – Depending this on is, how the rest of the season – yeah, if they lose to somebody, yeah. I mean, and, and even not – I mean, it's like the shorter the seasons are, the greater chance of people going undefeated. So, I mean, like I'm not trying to be – because listen – I mean, what if Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson all go undefeated and there's like two awesome one-loss teams in the SEC? You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, – yeah, you, yeah. you've got to look good, baby. Woo, you got to look good. Buckeye talk, you got to look good. From the 314, I like logistical questions. If Ohio State makes the college football playoff, then it will have two weeks to prepare for its semifinal game. This includes the week over Christmas. Am I correct? Or can the playoff games be moved back since there might not be any fans allowed? I do not – they are not moving the games. Like, there is – that of all the things that have happened, there has never been an indication for one second that the playoff games were going to be moved. The playoff games on the schedule are on New Year's Day, January 1st. It's the Rose Bowl and the Peach Bowl. And then the national championship game is in Miami on January 11th. Everything is nuts right now, but like New Year's Day and that time period is still sort of sacred in college football, especially to the Rose Bowl. Like I just, they, they've moved back the selection date as far as they can go, right? I mean, it's fewer than two weeks because Friday, January 1st is a Friday. So if it's, it's going to be championship Saturday and then 13 days later are the playoffs. So it's just going to be like a regular season game, or it's going to be like the NFL where you don't have a month of bowl practice. There's not going to be bowl practice. It's just get ready for the next game. Who are we playing? You're going to find out the day after your championship games, who you're playing next. And then you're going to have 12 days to get ready for them. So I just, that's just the world. It was a little shorter window last year. We've sort of been moving towards this. It's almost, I think, a test run for how an expanded playoff might work. Because there has been this sort of idea of like, well, you have a month off. You have a month off. It's, a, it's bowl season or whatever. And if you ever went to an eight-game playoff and you were trying to see come kind of a normal thing, it would be like, okay, well, we're going to play. It. What you would actually do is play your first playoff games on the weekend of December 19th in a normal, right? If this was a normal season, you'd play the championship games on the weekend of the 5th. You'd have two weeks off, play the quarterfinals. I think I said semifinals. Play the quarterfinals on the weekend of the 19th. Have two weeks off, play the semifinals on the first, and then play your championship game on the 11th. That's what an eight-team playoff looks like. That's what they're going to do. And if it works, it reinforces that an eight-team playoff logistically is doable. Now that's different from the conversation about wearing guys down and playing too many games and that kind of thing. But I mean, just Nathan, like they're not, the Rose bowl and the peach bowl are happening on January 1st, unless COVID shuts down the whole country again. Yeah. It ain't moving nothing. I mean, you gotta remember we were talking about the, the, the broadcast partners before the broadcast partners are the reason why those games are where they are. They pick those dates, right? I mean, that's that's who it's it's all about the money that those games draw. That's why those dates are established. So I don't think that they're they're pushing that back for anybody. I guess the only possible exception would be if there were if things got so bad nationally that they felt like they needed one week of wiggle room. But I don't know how th things are so bad nationally, but only one week fixes it. I think things would have to just like completely fall apart. So no, I don't think there's any way that those dates get moved. It's going to be interesting to see how this affects that early signing period as well, because Ryan Day was already complaining about the fact that he's traveling all over the country trying to, you know, finalize recruiting class, but also a bulk of his players were, you know, receiving rewards or awards or finalists for awards, Heisman Trophy stuff, but also he's trying to prepare for college football playoff position. So in a season where we're not sure where the dead period, when the dead period's going to end, so a lot of these players will not have been able to get on campus along with if Ohio State's in a position where they get into the college football playoff, how many different schools out there, you know, are impacted 
by the recruiting classes because of the same problems we had last year. But also now it's even, you know, even more of a problem because there's less time to spend with these recruits because everything's so compact. Well, I don't think they're going to have any guys hopping around the country doing award ceremonies this year. Are you going to put no. Justin Fields on a plane to go get the Davey O'Brien award when no. and, and it, with, I, with, it, the, it, with the pandemic? I think that's going yeah. to alleviate some of that travel problems. And it's I, less I, that, but it's just the fact that you went from having, what, 24 days to prepare for a bowl game so you can spend a little bit of that time also recruiting to now it's you've got two weeks, and you're probably going to focus all of that on playing a college football playoff game. Yeah, nobody's leaving. I don't know when they're going to present the Heisman. They might have to pre- present the Heisman on Zoom. I don't actually know when the Heisman, honestly. Have they announced when they're having the ceremony? Because that I don't know. Um, I would – and maybe it would be an opportunity for the Heisman to be like, you know what? We're having to move our date anyway. You know what we should do? How about we move it until after the whole season is played? And how about we take the entire season into account? Hey, Heisman. Make a make a bad thing into a good thing. I think that would be an opportunity. And then the and and the, and and ESPN and everybody else, they're all American teams. Every award. Why do Why do you present a single freaking award before the season's over? We have to stop acting, and it's different than the pros. Let's stop acting like the postseason and those bowls are anything. They're just a continuation of the regular season. And if we do away with like a, a month off for bowl season, maybe we can do away with voting on everything before these guys have a chance to actually show who they are in the games that matter the most. You dumb, stupid people who pick awards. Again, I think I vote on like four awards. Um, coverage question, and then we're going to get back at the end to whether Ohio State can win the national championship or not. But from the 419, has it been discussed yet if you guys will be at the games in person covering them? So... We've had a lot of the Football Writers Association of America. We've had a lot of discussions with the SIDs. I mean, obviously, this is already happening with other conferences are figuring this out. I mean, the press box is not going to be normal. The press, the press box is spaced. The press box is limited. I think we're talking about like a third as much of, of a capacity as normal in the press box. So I do not think that like all three of us will be at every game. I know, for instance, um, the Cleveland Browns have their home opener on Thursday night. And I think in a, in a normal year, I think we at cleveland.com will have like seven people there. And that doesn't include the two photographers. We'll have like six or seven press box seats. And I think for this Thursday night home opener, we have three. So normally we have the three of us at Ohio State games. I don't know that we'll get three seats at cleveland.com. I don't know that any outlet will get more than one seat frankly. So we will have somebody, I think we will have at least one person at every game because we'll, we'll plan to go on the road and, and the individual teams are going to be responsible for how they handle their press box, just like always. But certainly we're going to have to cover this game a little, you know, cover the games a different way. I watched the Browns Ravens game on TV on Sunday and I, and I wrote off it. I wrote about it off TV. So there may be games where I'm sitting at home um, writing about this off TV or Steven's sitting at home writing about it off TV. So, you know, we don't know, but the three of us will be writing about every game one way or the other. Right, Nathan? Sorry, I hit the cough button at the exact wrong time. Yes. <laughs> assuming, assuming this uh, throat ailment that I've suddenly picked up for this podcast doesn't take me out. Yes, um, we'll be writing off of every game. We'll be writing throughout the week, too. I don't think we're going to have probably in-person interviews in the same way that we did in the past for Ohio State players and, and coaches. Um, I if I were them, I probably wouldn't let me anywhere near them, whether they think I have COVID or not, but just to be safe. So um, that's going to all be done by Zoom, but we're going to keep doing what we've done, I think, throughout this whole thing, which is keep finding ways to cover this team. So uh, it's not going to stop. You're probably going to still see us or hear us uh, five days a week, and you're still going to have plenty of stuff to read on cleveland.com. Try the text, okay. 614-350-3315. Are people traveling? Is that – I wouldn't think that would even be a thing. That be right for other – like if I cover it, – it, like. Would Ohio State allow – would another place allow the road yeah. teams be – okay. Of course. I didn't know if that was yeah. a thing this year. No, it definitely is. Okay. I've been in the meetings, and, and yes, it's absolutely a thing. Okay. Um, like, I mean, we had, we had Mary Kay Cabot and Dan Lobby, our two main Browns reporters, were in Baltimore on Sunday okay. as an example. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I, there's one thing I want to say um, that I think is important, and then we'll take a quick break and wrap up with can they win the national title. I think as we talked about on the Tuesday podcast, I think the idea that 
Ed Orgeron at LSU said he thinks most of his team has already had COVID-19 is bonkers. And I was really trying to really put my hands around the idea today. It's what I asked about on the Ohio State call of, like, is that what the Big Ten thinks? Is that what Ohio State thinks that you got over the course of the last month? You got more comfortable with the idea that maybe your whole team will get it, but then like you'll be okay. Was that a big part of this? Or no, the Big Ten is not comfortable with the Coach O model of COVID-19 management. And so I, I asked Gene Smith and Christina Johnson that question, and they talked a lot, even though I said, I know you've already said this about the clean field, which means you have the daily testing that you can get right before kickoff. If anybody tests positive on the quick test, then you pull them out and you make them take the, the, the better tests, which might take a day to get back, but you take them out. You don't allow them on the field. They really talked about clean field, clean field, clean field. And I knew that, but it's like, yeah, but what about, are you more comfortable with guys getting it? Because maybe you think, myocarditis can be handled better. You're going to have uh, uh, heart tests before a guy in that 21-day period. He's out 21 days. Before he gets back on the field for practice or a game, you've got to have a bunch of heart tests. you got to have an EKG or different things. You're going to test for that. Are you more comfortable with guys getting it? And they didn't really answer it. And so I just like was trying to double check around Ohio State. And they're not more comfortable with guys getting it. They think they can play because of this advancement in testing, they think they can play without guys getting it. And it goes back to what we talked about a couple weeks ago. That is a great difference. The SEC, I, I, I think Coach O is irresponsible. And I cannot believe that the LSU beat writers, or maybe they are. Somebody needs to call it out. Where I mean, I, I'm the national people who have been like all over Kevin Warren, get on Coach O. Because the one thing Kevin Warren didn't do for the last month is willy-nilly allow a bunch of amateur football players to get COVID. Where is the Coach O criticism on this? He's not the only person in charge of keeping those players safe, but the idea that he is like blowing that off, and I don't care if the players and the families are taking a risk and accepting that risk. That is not right. That is not the right approach. And if that's your conference's approach, I'm not sure you should be playing football. So the SEC, I thought they had a good plan logistically, September 26th, 10 conference games. If your plan is just let every player in the SEC get COVID and get through it, that's not it, man. And so uh, the national writers who have more of a national platform than me, Let's hear a little bit more about how that's wrong. Because, listen, if that happens in the Big Ten, if Ohio State ends up playing through the fact that 57 guys get COVID this fall or something terrible, we're not going to be silent on that. That is not acceptable. But that's not what the Big Ten's trying to do. The Big Ten believes they can prevent that. They're not going to plow through. They're going to clear a path. And that is too starkly wildly different ways to play football this fall. One I think is, is the right way. And one, I think, I mean, man, I know there are people listening to this. I just do not think you can be absolutely blase about anybody getting COVID. I know the numbers say that very most, 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 most young, healthy people will not have negative effects right now that we know of. And we don't know what the future holds, man. Coach, yo, you, that is not it, brother. That is not it, and I would like somebody to point that out rather than just pointing out, oh, that coach, oh, he won a national championship with Joe Burrow and Joe Brady. He go down there in the bayou, and he win a championship, and that's how they play football. Be responsible, man. It's not right. We'll be back with Ken the Buckeyes with a national championship on Buckeye Talk. Last thing to cover on Buckeye Talk for this podcast. And then we will be back bright and early with the Thursday morning podcast, dealing with like the other 185 questions that we did not get to. Two questions, one from the 216, one from the 980. From the 216, as neutral reporters, do you think Ohio State can win the natty without Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis? 
I am not aware of any opt-outs at Alabama or Clemson, so I think Ohio State would be at a disadvantage on that level of stage. Or will Fields be that good this season that it won't matter? And from the 980, can Ohio State win every game, even if a few key players are sidelined with COVID? Those are different questions. One is about guys opting in, the two that we talked about off the top. The other is, hey, you know, you might lose a lineman or a linebacker or a receiver or whatever, a guy here or there during the course of the season. Is there anybody on the roster who's going to play for sure who is maybe somewhat irreplaceable? that if they miss that guy for a game, they're really going to be in trouble. It's two separate questions. Let's answer them together. And Steven, we'll start with you. Yeah, I think they're still going to, I think they can still win a national championship. One, the, um, the only player where if, if that's irreplaceable on this roster is Justin Fields. And that's because the options behind them have, him have one never played a college football, a snap of college football before and barely had a spring and barely have had a fall. Um, but also, Justin Fields is one of the two best quarterbacks in the country. He's the only – so as long as he's on the field, I think they have a chance to win a national championship. And so you, and you think Wade and Davis, great players, but – Makes it have, harder. But, yeah, they, the most important piece here is number one. Nathan, where are you, both on the opt-outs and who they might lose to a testing issue? Got the cough button early that time. Um, I think that the, I, I agree with Steven that the only irre, irreplaceable player is Justin Fields. So I think Ohio state can still win a national championship. I do not think they would be, I don't think they're my favorite still to win the national championship, but I'm kind of assessing that. And you, know, I guess we'll find out this week when I have to submit that ballot, but I, I think I would probably right now favor Clemson or Alabama, either one, maybe on a neutral field against Ohio state um, close. I think they're still right there. But if, if, if Sean Wade and Wade and White Davis don't play, and you take two All-Americans off of any team, and especially the one who means so much to this defense, that makes it that much harder for them to, to actually win the national championship. But I think they can do it. I, I don't mean to – I'm not being funny with this question. I, I literally have such a terrible memory, and I have not watched the Ohio State-Clemson game like in the last couple months. When Sean Wade got kicked out against Clemson, did they miss him? I think they did, right? Didn't Clemson start throwing it? Was it Marcus oh, yeah. Williamson who came in no, for him? No, they, they threw out Amir Reap immediately. Amir Reap. Who Amir came, Reap. Who came in, you know, cold-legged. And you, you, in that situation, they did what any smart offensive coordinator would do. You attack the guy who just randomly came into the game. But, but would we say they missed Sean Wade for the rest of that time that he wasn't in there? Oh, they absolutely missed him the rest of the time he wasn't in there. I think you miss him physically. I think you miss him – um, in other ways, too. I mean, that was the other thing about Sean Wade coming back this season. It's not just what he is physically on a field and what he does on his quadrant of the field defending a team. It's what I think he means in that cornerback room. Um, he was going to be a big help to someone like Marcus Williamson uh, coming on and playing, being the potential slot starter uh, at corner for a season. He was going to be a mentor for these younger guys, especially now these true freshmen who now have to step up uh, potentially and in, in, in play rotational roles in a, in a, when where previously they were going to maybe be uh, on the outside. Um, it's, it's a huge loss, I think, for this defense if he can't come back. That's not me trying to talk him into coming back. I'm just – it's – I think he understands that it's a big loss, and that's why it's a tough decision for him. And it, it is just – we just have to – and we don't want to end on a downer because we're not trying to be an upper or a downer. We're just trying to be straight shooters. But, like, boy, oh, boy, if Justin Fields misses three games because he tests positive, first of all, you would never want to see that happen to anybody. But the fact that the Big Ten is saying it's a, you're out for 21 days, not 14, that's a little bit of a, more of a safety issue, right? I mean, it's just – it's really going to be – the Big Ten – and I think this is what we will end up getting into more on the Big Thursday podcast, and maybe we'll go a full two hours on that one. The safer you are, the greater chance for disruption you have. And I would say right now, I like – the safety protocols that the Big Ten laid out as part of the announcement on Wednesday. But Nathan, they are real. They are strict, both in how yep. long you have to be out, the positivity level that exists before you have to shut down for a week, that there's going to be a medical officer at each school. There won't be like, it doesn't feel like there's going to be one Big Ten person who's in charge of that, but it's not up to the coach. There's going to be a medical person at each school monitoring all the tests. And once your players or your program reach a certain threshold on a day or in a seven-day rolling average, there are different thresholds at play here. You're paused. You're paused for a week. Like there's just going to be things here. And I, and I will not at all be surprised if something happens 
where what fans or players or coaches, the people involved too, would see as a very important game is disrupted because a team has to go on pause or because one or two very important players may be asymptomatic and may have tested positive 16 days ago, but they're still in that 21-day window and they can't play. And I do think that is going to be frustrating for fans and teams along the way, but I think it's the only way the Big Ten was going to play at all. But please prepare yourself for some frustration around that. You and I talked about this off mic or well, I guess in kind of a Ted Carter off mic kind of way, I guess it still would have been picked up. Um, But um, about how, what would happen? Like we were kind of thinking through these scenarios for like, okay, um, Sean Wade tests positive for COVID. And then that means the other cornerbacks um, get contact traced and they also have to quarantine. And then you find out after the fact that it was a, a, a false positive and and all those guys should have been able to play you could you could back just earlier this week or last week you could see dominoes that take a season out that fall that way and the big 10 i think the reason they put in these these strict protocols as far as the 21 days or having to shut down teams depending on these tests i think it, it all goes back to how much confidence they have in the daily testing and the the accuracy of those christina m johnson i think spoke uh specifically to the confidence that he has in them. This is an interesting tweet from Teddy Greenstein too. Um, the Northwestern director of sports medicine, Jeff, I can't pronounce that, says antigen testing is so good that it can quote, detect the level of virus thought to be below the level of NF- infectivity. So positive tests can be, positive cases can be identified and isolated before a player is contagious. I think those kinds of things are what is determining why we're having Big Ten football and why they're so strict because they think, if, if anything does sneak in, then that's why it's so strict. They can take those players out for an even more extended period of time. Um, that's what this all comes down to. And I don't want fans to be crazy worried about false positives because their plan is if the quick saliva test shows you're positive, they pull you out and yes. immediately give you the better test. Yes, yes. And that, that, is not, that is not really a risk of false positives with that better test. Now, if you test positive the morning of a game – they're going to pull you out and you're going to miss that game while they give you the next test, but you're not going to be affected for 21 days based on a false positive because they have this dual level of testing. And it also helps with the contact tracing because if you test positive the day of the game, they can say, well, you didn't test positive yesterday. So it, it cuts down the amount of time that you would have had um, contact with other people and, and potentially doesn't affect the rest of the roster as much. So we have more to talk about but we're going to stop it there. This is our emergency pod for Wednesday on the day that the big 10 announced that it will resume fall football. That was the announcement on today, Wednesday, September 16th. Thank you for so much. Thank you so much for joining us on Buckeye talk. We will come back with lots more answers to lots more questions on the Thursday podcast that should be up pretty early Thursday morning. Please read cleveland.com slash OSU where we continue to write about this. And if you haven't tried the texts, we're going to keep sending out any information we get about that. Anything going on at 614-350-3315. And we should find out about Wyatt Davis and Sean Wade, I would imagine, fairly soon. Because they are going to get back on the practice field pretty quickly. And Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis know how to play football. But they're not going to sit around, I don't think, for 10 days and try to decide whether they're staying opted out or opting back in. So as as soon as we know, you will know. Appreciate you guys. It's been a crazy 40 days or whatever it is. Um, And I did not necessarily think that we were ever going to get to a point like this. But here we are. So let's get ready to talk some football. Let's get ready to write some football. Let's get ready to text some football. And thanks again to everybody who's part of Buckeye Talk Nation. For now, for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Maurice, And that... Was Buckeye Talk.